it is Thursday, December 5th, and it's another live GenCast here on YFELive.com, the live show that happens Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern for about 15 minutes, and it's a nice burst of networking in your day. And I'm really excited because today I'm joined by Britt of Millennial Magazine. Britt, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thanks for having me. So uh, now this is a new venture of yours. And so our theme for today's show is all around millennials because before Millennial Magazine, you've been very much ingrained in Gen Y. So tell us a little bit about the story behind how you got the magazine started and what your background is. Well, I love that the topic is millennials because that's virtually my life. Uh, <laughs> one myself and also focusing my stories around millennials. Um, I absolutely love our generation. I'm a journalist, but I really got my start when I started to cover the local artists in Los Angeles, making a living doing what they loved. And I wanted to showcase that to millennials because it was 2010 and the economy was horrible. Unemployment rates were super high. And so I really wanted to show millennials that they could do anything that they wanted in this time. And so from there, I ended up creating a community called Gen Y Hub. And we became an international community of Gen Yers. And uh, a lot of people were submitting wonderful blogs. I had this guy from Nigeria that was just so inspirational. I had a guy from Singapore that, again, was just talking about workplace bullying and how millennials really need to take charge of their life. And then I had tons of writers throughout the country uh, that were just really sharing their voices. And so Millennial Magazine was actually birthed as a result of all of these wonderful voices coming together to actually provide solutions. So Millennial Magazine is now a publication that focuses primarily on solution-oriented news and through articles on life improvement, community action, and social evolution. So it's really exciting. I can't say enough about how amazing I think our generation is. We've been you know, faced with all of the, uh, the dialogues around how we're this lazy, entitled generation. And you know, I think every generation has that. But our generation in particular is going to be the first generation that really turns America around. And because we're faced with all of these hardships early on in life, I think that that's what's going to foster a really beautiful evolution in our, in our lifetime. You know, I like that it's such a positive message, too, that you're sending out about our generation. Because, for example, one of the things I wanted to ask you about is that Randy Zuckerberg was on uh, Larry King Now. I just watched this this morning um, when I was making my coffee. And she was talking about uh, the technical hardships that, um, or the hardships that technology has brought into our generation. The idea that we get addicted to technology while it's this amazing and uh, growing presence. At the same time, it hurts our, you know, it, it, we... It, empathy for others is reduced. Um, conversations happen less, you know, face to face. Do you feel like that's an issue with millennials? Do you, do you, um, do you see that in your community or within your magazine? Well, I love that you brought that up because we just had a writer, Marissa Mostek, who just uh, wrote an article on the art of communication. And she really focuses on how Millennials are starting to detach from face-to-face -face communication, and they're also looking at it as a very intimidating um, facet of life. You know, phone conversations. We have phones. We're attached to our phones. Yet how often do you actually dial a number and call somebody? Right. You're more to actually text them or email them or Facebook them or Instagram or whatever form of other technology that's a lot safer in your own mentality to communicate. So, yeah, we're, we're totally drawing attention to that issue on our site. And really the solution is, get better at it because you need to be a normal human being and connect with people. You can't avoid that in business. You just can't. So, you know, encouraging people to pick up the phone and just go through the phone book and call restaurants and ask what time they're closing, you know, or like what their hours are, just anything to get you more attached to your phone. 
calling friends. You know, when you actually want to find out what they're doing, don't say, hey, how are you on a text? Like, call them and see how, see how they're doing. Have a, engage in a conversation. Skype is an all, a, another really wonderful way of communicating because that at least puts you face-to-face with somebody. You know, and, and Facebook has opened up the um, Skype chats on their Facebook chat. So there's no reason why we shouldn't be doing this. It's just about conditioning yourself. And yeah, the technology is going to become an issue to the extent that we get, we get too attached to it. I mean, in, in Japan already, they're having technologists anonymous classes already, or not classes, but meetings. So, you know, they're, they're going in admitting that they have a problem with their use of technology. So we have like, you know, society is recognizing that we have this dependency issue and we need to start creating the solutions around that. And it's as simple as actually calling somebody or FaceTiming them. So now in our theme of millennials, you're going to be talking about a few um, millennials that you picked out to make sure that we cover why their role models or someone that you find um, others should look to as far as their success goes. But in the meantime, I want to just cover a couple things before we get into that about Millennial Magazine and what it is that you're doing. Because like you said, you're a journalist. And um, as we were commenting, even Nicole on the chat is saying, yes, uh, we really like the positive spin on what you're doing. But I want to make sure that we cover what what is a millennial? <laughs> I mean, I get this every once in a while where people will say, am I considered a millennial? Mm-hmm. Well, I think that the the age differs for a lot of people. But from my perspective and my research, I really categorize millennials as those that were born from 1975 to 1995. We were this first generation that had both analog and digital technology. So, you know, we were the first generation that grew up in that transition. And that's how I categorize it. I categorize generations through 20-year gaps. And a lot of people argue that, no, no, I'm too old to be a millennial if you're 36. But I don't believe that's, that's true because you did you know, grow up with computers in school. So if you if you did that, then I think that you're a millennial. Well, and I like your distinction between um, you had both the analog and the digital out there because that is it is so weird to think about that. Uh, when we were kids, we had, like, I had the Walkman and, like, tapes, and it's just yeah, weird to think sense. how much we've evolved since then and how much has happened as far as technology goes and what it is that my son's going to see happen. I just think it's, that kind of thing really does blow my mind. It's really silly and cheesy to think that, but it does. <laughs> right. I mean, we didn't have uh, Facebook in high school. So the kids that are in high school right now aren't millennials. They're the next generation. And, you know, we have to be... We have to be cautious of how they're going to, you know, enter the workforce too and what, what kind of people they're going to be because they grew up with this technology a lot sooner than we did. So, you know, I believe that we were the transition generation. Well, that makes sense. Now, with with Millennial Magazine, why is it that you you left? Because Gen Y Hub is a very successful community. That's something that I've been following for a couple of years now, I feel like, if not a year. Um why did you go from having that community space into more a content-driven space? So we're speaking to you as an entrepreneur, more um, as an, a millennial yourself, and as an entrepreneur. What what was the switch? Well, Gen Y Hub isn't dead. It's just merely right. transitioned into a discussion forum. So I really took it back to its roots of being a community because it was starting to become very editorial based. So it was getting confusing for people when they came to the site. What is this editorial? Is this a community? What is this? And uh, blogs are starting to be kind of phased out because I was really focusing on articles and I had a lot of writers writing very, you know, quality, high quality articles. So I really wanted to give the articles its own space. And I really wanted to focus on solution oriented news because I do believe that that's missing in our society right now. 
So often we talk about the issues, but we never discuss the solution. So Gen Y Hub has transformed into a solution think tank, and uh, Millennial Magazine is really focusing on the editorial side of that. Very nice. And now as far as editorial goes, you were talking about with Gen Y Hub, how many people have were contributing to that. Uh, do you have writers? What does that look like as far as the editorial purpose goes? Because you mentioned to me um, about uh, asking for contributors. So what does that look like? Well, with Gen Y Hub, now we're just looking for community. It's open to everybody. We just want people to come and talk and speak to their own solution. As far as contributions, we really are looking for you know writers that have a strong voice and also can write well because we definitely want to maintain our high bar but um, you know that we're looking for all sorts of voices that really want to offer up their um, their opinions on solutions because like I said it's about the issue and then matching it with the solution and there are so many bloggers out there that are speaking to you know motivation and just life improvements health wellness sustainability um, you know and then they do talk about cultural events too so you know world news is a is a big thing that we all need to be aware of so that's what I'm looking to pull on Millennial Magazine are serious writers um, whereas you know I don't want just ranting bloggers I want to I want to you know actually promote a positive message can I just say thank you for that because that's one of my I feel like everyone that's a trend right now and um, as much as I love all of the bloggers that I read and all of the young female entrepreneurs I pay attention to and I think there is definitely merit in going off on rants saying this is wrong this is wrong this is wrong don't do this um it just feels like it would be more productive to have a solution like you said a solution oriented piece where it says yes this is the problem here's the solution and focuses more on the solution than the things you are doing wrong um, right so and, and to further that point it's not supposed to be outside of you the solution is not outside of you you are the solution so what we're trying to do with our quote solutions is really give actionable takeaways that you can actually apply to your life and that of your community so it's some funny stuff is happening on the jury now that I want to mention before we get into into the millennial pieces. So at the wardrobe code is saying, thank God there was no high, Facebook in high school for us. Uh, <laughs> that was funny. And then Ashley Littlefield, who's at Chinese Squirrels, she's saying we had the, the torture of MySpace when I was in high school. And oh, I, that's true. That's yeah, true. MySpace, I think, was almost worse than um, Facebook. Well, no, that's not true. Well, I didn't have I didn't have a uh, MySpace and I didn't have a Facebook until 2010, so I was kind of on the late train. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know that's funny because Glamour magazine tweeted out a while ago, "We're looking for women that are not on Facebook. Do you know of anyone?" And I was thinking about it, I was, like I honestly don't know of any women right now that aren't on Facebook, except for like CPAs. And even then, I feel like the financial industry is jumping on Facebook more, uh, more so now. But well, yeah. I'm taking a break. So do I count? <laughs> I, I'm uh, 65 days clean. <laughs> oh my goodness, seriously? You're not on yeah. Facebook right now? No. So how do you do that as a business owner? That's the one thing when Randy Zuckerberg was talking about addiction to technology, I was thinking, would I be on Facebook and Twitter so much if I didn't own a business? Well, that's not to disclude or um, you know exclude social media. I'm on Twitter all the time and I love Instagram. But Facebook in general for me was much more of a social infrastructure, so it was uh, more immediate friends. I do keep my business accounts open, and so I'm able to go in as fan pages, but I think where the addiction lies and where the negativity lies is in comparing yourself to your associates, your, your friends, your acquaintances, people that you've met once or twice and then you constantly see them in the newsfeed. It's just not healthy. If you want to have people that you care about, pick up the phone 
or you know use use other methods send them send them links through email don't send them through Facebook. It's it's a matter of testing your willpower on how to unplug. Well, and I think that's interesting that you bring that up because I we when we my first pregnancy, I announced it on Facebook saying, "Oh, we're pregnant," that kind of a thing, and that's what the, is the norm. And the second one, it was just something weird about doing that again. I I told all of my family and friends in person, and then like I don't know who else am I supposed to tell on Facebook? It was just kind of a strange thing um, to think about how social media has influenced and seeped into our lives like that, where it doesn't become really official, like that you're married right. until it's Facebook official, you know, that kind of a thing. Well, so it's just publicizing it, you know, and then we're programmed to do so. That's right. So let's talk about these three women that you want to pinpoint, because there's a couple on here that I've never heard of. So I'm okay. really excited about it. Um, Lauren Shaw is the first one, and she's from SpinFX. Tell us about who Lauren is. So Lauren is actually a personal friend of mine, and she is one of the biggest inspirations in my life because she invented the first 3D LED projection hula hoop. So she was engineered this with um, a couple other people, but she basically designed it and made it happen for herself. She was a hula hooper performer and she then created a whole business out of it. And so what happens is like when you spin the hula hoop, a, a projected logo or graphic comes out at you. So it's really high tech, it's state of the art, it's really amazing, it's gonna take off, and it already is. So she's also running a performance troupe out of that. She was just showcased at the Wynn Hotel in Vegas uh, about a month or two ago for the um, Kia opening for the new car. So she's doing wonderful things, but um, you know she's inspiring because she invented something. She saw a need in the market that she was a fan of and was an active participant in, and she made something happen. So I, I worry because she kind of went from nothing to everything and made it all happen herself. She didn't have anyone helping her. So she's a big inspiration. Well, that's interesting, too, because a lot of people, I feel like, have an idea and think it's really interesting. But what sets Lauren apart from others in that she actually took the next step? She just keeps going. Every time I talk to her, there's like a new improvement. And, you know, I don't necessarily know if that is a separation from other women that are doing similar things, because I think that's what we all need. We all need that perseverance, that determination, that courage, that patience, these things that are so hard for the average woman who's afraid to take that leap to really understand, because patience is everything. And then there's also money, you know, there's sacrifice. And, you know, she, to me, is that role model in just taking the leap of faith and having courage and the patience to go out and do it. And then also, she's so cute. She calls, you know, her prospecting, when she calls up people um, to pitch them on the idea, passion sharing. And I love that. Like, it is. You're sharing your passion with people because she was so afraid, like most of us are, to actually call people, like do cold calls. And so she said, when I turned it to passion sharing, it became so much easier. What's a nice way to think of it, passion sharing? It's definitely yeah. a good takeaway. So the second person that you wanted to point out is actually interesting because it's Amanda, is it Pouchot? Is that how you say yes. her last name? Yes. Now she's, I know of um, the, is it Levo League? I always pronounce it Levo. Wrong. Sorry, say it one more time. The Levo League. Levo League? Yeah, it's like a softie. So uh, I know of her partner who I believe acts as the CEO of the company. Caroline? and Yeah, Caroline. And she's being nominated right now. They're doing a big push for her to be a Forbes 30 Under 30 uh, recipient. Oh, so if her. you guys want to, make sure that you nominate her because Level League is fantastic. It's a great network. So why did you pick Amanda over Caroline as someone to pinpoint? Well, I really like Amanda because she is kind of 
the shadow, um, you know, and I and I find that she is so powerful in her own right, and she's come so far in her own self-confidence, um, and, and she's just a powerhouse that she's doing all of the local levels. And so the local levels, I feel, are way more influential than the main site is. Because when you get to actually connect with the people in your neighborhood and the role models in your neighborhood, you get this sense of power. You get this this really cool inspiration from being in their presence. And I was just at an event that they ho hosted at Disney's um, studio here in Burbank. And it was so cool to see her kind of come to life and and kind of command it from the background. You know, like she was, she had her hand in everything, but you would never know that she was the co-founder because she kind of like plays this humble role. And that's what I love about her is that she's so humble. And, you know, they've had this incredible success and yet, you know, she, she just takes the modest approach to it. You know, I think that's interesting. I love that you pointed her out over Caroline. I think Caroline's fantastic as well. They're both great role models. Yeah, but really uh, she's... I just, yeah, there is something about being able to be next to someone else and not feel have that power struggle, especially as a female. I feel, feel like we're given the bad rap sometimes as far as like uh, power struggle between um, like catfighting. This is a constant thing on Shark Tank. They say something about uh, catfighting between Barbara and um, <laughs> the, the blonde. Oh, gosh, what's her name? Oh, yeah. Um I'm totally blanking. Well, you guys will have to chat it in if you remember her name. But uh, they're constantly fighting, and they pin out, uh, pick out catfight. But I think women are bigger than that. Um, and also, Caroline is such a strong presence. She has a very, um, she has a very influential family background too. So the yeah. fact that Amanda can really stand out and get the job done, and just you know, like you said, be humble is fantastic. It's a great yeah. example. So the third and last one is Debbie Sterling. Now I do know of Debbie Sterling just a bit from reading. Um, she's been in GeekWire a couple times before this got big, but tell us about um, Debbie. Well, I love Debbie because she is creating the first engineering toy for girls. So she came out of Stanford as an engineer and she was trying to figure out how young girls would be able to be interested in this field growing up. Because even though you're playing with Legos, how often do girls actually declare their majors as engineers and then go through with it? So she was trying to fill that void by making it really fun as a girl to grow up with these type of construction and engineering um, toys that also associated reading to it. So she basically made these princess toys into help, you know, princess so-and-so build this, you know, build this like obstacle or, or whatever it is. Like she's got all sorts of different um, toys that you can build. So I love that she was creative enough and um, you know, really active enough to recognize that we have this issue with women getting into the science, engineering, and technology fields. And she wanted to do something about it because she had graduated as an engineer, and I think she was like one in thirty of in her class that was you know a female. So she, I love that she's trying to fill the void there and trying to do something positive for our future. Well, you know, and it's all about. And by the way, at the wardrobe code is saying Lori Grainier. Is it Grainier or Grainer? Anyway, she's the other Shark Tank. Um, oh, Lori, investor. that's right. Okay, yeah, Lori. Uh, so I think that's interesting that you picked her um, because it's it's bringing into a new theme the idea that you're solving a problem, find a problem, solve it, and that's something that I feel like a lot of entrepreneurs in the last couple of years it was based off of what are you passionate about, and that's what you went off. You didn't necessarily think about what problems are out there that I can solve. Instead, it was what am I passionate about? So how can we bring passion together with problem solving? And I feel like she's a great example of someone that brought her passion for engineering 
into a problem-solving atmosphere. And so that's something that I'd love if all of us, especially as young female entrepreneurs, could bring that back into it because there is so many female problems out there that I feel like men are trying to solve um, (laughs) because they they understand that money follows pain. Um, And I feel like women, um, how can we bring our passion into the problem-solving? So anyway, great. Well, I think... I think social entrepreneurialism is the next evolution of entrepreneurs. I think that we're all kind of incorporating that somehow into our business models. Um, and, and just like Debbie, you know, she created the, uh, the, the need for young girls to be interested in science, engineering, technology. But then, you know, and she's a woman, but look at Lyft. I don't know if you're familiar with Lyft, if it's reached um, Washington yet, but it's an incredible service that is about ride sharing and yet it's filling this need and while also giving back to the community. It's allowing neighbors to get to know each other, become friends if they want, but also putting good use to the cars that are on the road. Instead of just hiring a taxi, you know, you're actually taking somebody else's car, your neighbor's car, and going for a ride. Is Lyft founded by a female? No. Okay. That would be interesting if more women got into the whole ride sharing thing. I know of a couple people that have done um, that are females that do more of like rent a car type ride sharing. Get Around is a San Francisco company founded by a woman. So. See, and little things like that because there are certain things that women feel inherently about sharing things that men might not have the same concerns over. So I think that's an interesting conversation in and of itself. But we've run out of time. But Britt, thank you so much for being on with me today. You have such a, a fantastic perspective as really, I mean... I would consider you as an expert in millennials. I don't know about yourself. What do you think? You. Would you be okay with being called an expert in millennial stuff? <laughs> it's funny that you say that because I am. I go on shows all the time and talk about millennials. See, it's it's great. So make sure that everyone, you check out Millennial, and I believe it's uh, millennialmagazine.co, right? Yes, or you could go to millmags.com. And what if someone wanted to contribute and become a writer for the magazine? What should they do? Just just email me, editor at millmags.com, M-I-L-M-A-G-Z.com, and uh, submit to writing samples and tell me what you're passionate about, what you want to write about, and we'll figure out something that works for you. Awesome. All right, Britt, thank you so much for coming on with us today. Thank you. All right, so you've been watching Brit of Millennial Magazine. Again, it's millennialmagazine.co. Hopefully you will check it out. It's fantastic. It's just a beautiful magazine, too. You guys can see it back on the TV. Very uh, capturing, captivating images and a lot of really good content that you can sink your teeth into. So uh, you've been watching the live webcast that happens Monday through Friday here on YFELive.com at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Sign up for our mailing list at yfe.me forward slash mail date. We've got a lot going on tonight. We have YFE chat at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 a.m. Eastern here on YFELive.com. Our guest is Jess Estrada, who went from being a Seattle Chamber um, representative. She worked for Seattle Chamber. She got them on the map on Twitter. She was one of the first chambers that was doing that and since then has become a very popular consultant and a uh, fashion blogger as well. So she's going to be on with us tonight for about 30 minutes talking about that. We also have the action calendar happening and so much more. So make sure that you again sign up for the newsletter yfe.me forward slash mailed it. Thank you all for showing up. Hopefully we'll see you back here tomorrow same time, 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. Thank you.